Okay, so I worked at the bookshop on Sunday. We had a book launch launch event for a book we talked about briefly on the podcast last week. I mentioned it to Jordan. Mm -hmm. It's called Thomasville in Concert. It's this beautiful coffee table book put out by the Thomasville Entertainment Foundation. Um, We do not typically... We are not typically open on Sundays. Right. So um, it was a 2 to 4 o'clock event. I worked 1 to 5. And between a children's birthday party on Saturday... March Madness, right? You know Loyola winning at the last minute. You're just FSU. screaming at your yeah. television constantly. <laughs> yeah, and then at this event there was a trio. Is that what they call it? like an ensemble? A trio ensemble. Okay. Played music, and then I discovered I must have a customer voice, like which I know that I do. What does that mean? So what I mean is I think I lost my voice not from yelling at my TV. But, from and not from twelve inches of pollen on my front porch. Oh, well, mm. But from interacting with customers with a musical trio in the back of the store. Oh. So my voice mm-hmm. was elevated, mm-hmm. but also I have perky voice. So like, with certain so this clientele at this event was older. Uh huh. And so that to me requires a different persona. Yeah. And so. It's like my teacher voice. Yeah, and so I realized, oh my gosh, I have perky voice, or in my family, what we would call Susie Butterworth voice, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, how are you doing? Like, see, I don't have oh, you it. Don't have it anymore. <laughs> it's it's cool. straight up gone. So I was reading a story to the kids today because I think it also is partly story time voice. Don't. Oh yeah, uh huh, definitely yes. Yeah, you have story time voice. So I have story time voice, but then I, which I knew I could have right. told you story yeah. time voice. I mean, but you I have to right, but I don't think I subconsciously knew that I also, maybe do that with older customers who I know yeah, you do. require a mm-hmm. certain side of me, and look and and I think it is required. I don't think yeah. I think I have to do that, um, but I realized I did it for two full hours plus setup, like, because yeah. the people with the event, like, helped set up. So I really used interactive perky voice for four hours in a row That's on a Sunday. Lot. And now... Now, nothing. No. Hi, how are you? Like, I can't... Like, it's, <laughs> I, I don't have it anymore. Welcome to episode 163 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I am a streaming live on Instagram. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. It is time for our new biannual installment. Yes, of, <laughs> what, what do we call it, seasonal reading? Seasonal reading, I think that's good. I think we've done it once before. We did it in the fall. Yes. We did like a fall literary lineup. Yeah, because we have started to do, part of the reason is we've started to do these um, literary luncheons every season in the store. So this is our way of like bringing the literary right. luncheon to our listeners. To our listeners. I will say, we already have our spring literary luncheon we already have our spring literary luncheon planned, 
and we are going to have a virtual option. So okay. if you're listening to this, and if you like the way this sounds, <laughs> and if you want to hear about more books that we're going to be featuring in the spring, then that literary luncheon is scheduled for April 18th. April 18th. And there will be a virtual option, and you can get your tickets online. That'll be so, awesome. Yeah. So anyway, so this is our way of like kind of abbreviating that conversation and putting it in podcast format. Yeah. And no lunch. Sorry. And no lunch. Sorry, guys. And so this is kind of a... I don't know, poor man's option. Yeah, <laughs> the poor man's literary luncheon. It's a it's a short form. It's I don't know. Yeah. It's it's notes. It's like it's like a movie version of a book. Yeah. You know, like yeah. where the the artistry has changed, but mm-hmm. the premise is the same. Yeah. Was that, was that deep adaptations? Yeah. It's an adaptation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we have some books coming out. Um, some of them have just come out. Some of them are coming out in the next couple months. Um, but these are the books that we are excited about on this, the first day of spring. Yes. So we're these are titles, yeah, that I think are going to cover spring and very early summer. It's crazy to me that spring goes into June. Oh, I, okay, I think that seasonality, like, first day of winter, first day of spring, that might apply in other parts of the country. Or parts of the world where that was invented. Yeah, but, like, here... Right, because, like, June is solidly summer to me, but I'm like, wait a minute, that's when summer starts. I will say that pretending that summer doesn't start until July helps me not hate summer as much. That makes sense. Because I... I'm very affected by heat. Because it's six months of summer. Yeah, and I'm just very affected by heat. Like, I... Ugh. It just... I feel like June, I can handle it up right until July 4th, and then the moment that holiday ends, I am over summer. And we get about two or three full months of it after. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Through October. You just sounded like an 80s movie. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like Ferris Bueller. That's what that sounded like. I feel sicky now, too. (laughs) My voice feels all off. Yeah. Well, this is a joy to listen to, I'm sure. It's going to be great. (laughs) Um, Um, So start us off. Okay. Um, The first book that's on our list came out this week. Yes. um, Which is great. It is called Tangerine, and it is by Christine Mangan. I have mentioned this one before. Yeah, we talked about it. I would like to talk about it a little bit more, because now it's time for it to come out. Mm -hmm. We actually listened to this um, audiobook for Stitches and Stories last week to give kind of uh, readers a preview of what to expect. And the audiobook is great. Um, now, I've already read the book, so I'm not going to finish the audiobook. But the clip we listened to, the about the about, about the hour we listened to, was really good. Um, but, fascinatingly enough, I remember I really liked Tangerine. Mm-hmm. But it really takes a good, solid... That's right. You said, like, 100 100 pages. pages. Yeah. Like, it's a slow burn. And then page 100, I literally think I could tell you the paragraph. I was like... Oh my gosh, I'm in. Everything changed. Okay, well, listening to the audiobook with a bunch of knitters, and they were looking at each other, and I said at the end, like, what'd you guys think? And a couple of women were like, oh, I'm intrigued. Like, but then a couple of other women said, oh, this is so slow. Like, so I just would like to give the warning that Tangerine is not, like, grab it and go. Right. Like, you have to invest yourself in the characters a little bit and in the story, but it features two strong female protagonists. Um, we have a listener who has asked about unreliable narrators. Yeah. This is a book with a couple of unreliable narrators. So these two women who befriended one another in boarding school, now one of them lives in Morocco. That's part of the reason I love the book is this setting is so strong. Right. And you can smell and taste and hear Morocco while you're reading. So I and think that's, that's so cool. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, Cadence, who owns Fuzzy Goat and who also was a 
a professor at Florida State, she mentioned to me that she thought this must be a debut because it's so detailed. I did not get bogged down in the details, um, which sometimes I can. Mm-hmm. To me, the details contributed to just a really stellar setting. I see. And the book, you think, like, while I was reading, I thought, oh, no, is this going to go one way? And instead, it went the other way, and mm-hmm. I was glad. But you thought it was going to zig, it zagged. Yes, that's right. Uh, I And so it has a weird black and white... Alfred Hitchcock-ish. Okay. Yeah, but it's not like Sunburn. Like, Sunburn was a straight-up suspense. This isn't a suspense, but something happened to these friends that broke them apart. Mm-hmm. And we need to know what, what that was and how it has affected them a full year later. Okay. And who do we trust as the reader? Yeah, that seems Hitchcockian to Yeah, me. Hitchcockian and, weirdly, single white female, that Lifetime sure. movie. Yeah. Sure. Was that a Lifetime movie? Was it? I think it was like a movie movie. Oh, okay. Well, it's got... That kind of vibe. Okay, that um, sounds good. Yeah, it was good. I stand by it. Um, and it comes. It came out this week. That's yeah. right. I was about to say it comes out later, but um, and that was we read it. You read it last month, and I read that other book set in Morocco. And That's it was right. Like this weird serendipity of Moroccan books. That's right. So Tangerine, we've probably talked about it enough, but keep it. I think it'd be a really great. Keep it on your radar. Yeah, I think it'd be a really great spring break book too. Oh, cool. Um, so side note, I love tangerines. I drank tangerine juice this morning. Just that's a lovely little snippet. I I thought so. (laughs) Um, The next one we've got is Female Persuasion. It's a Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. Okay, new Meg Wolitzer. Yeah, okay. I want to love Meg Wolitzer. Right. I read The Interestings and thought it was fine. Somebody told me to try something else by her, Mm -hmm. and I think I tried it but didn't finish. Not because I wasn't connected, but just other things came up, and it was a backlist title, so I didn't care as much. I have really good news. The Female Persuasion is so good. Good. I've got like 50 pages left, and I only say this about certain types of books, but it is a book that, like, no offense, but I don't really want to be here. I want to be reading it. Like, I don't want to be recording with you. I want to be reading it. I I get Um, that. (laughs) So The Female Persuasion, I, I am going to be so curious what critics and readers think about this one because I have not loved her other books, but I really am invested in this one. So it is about a young woman who is in college and she meets this feminist icon. In my head, I pictured like a um, a more hippie, less rigid Gloria Steinem. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I totally get that. Okay, so she meets this woman and kind of this encounter with this woman changes her life. And that's the blurb kind of on the back of the book. Mm -hmm. What I didn't know was that I would fall in love with some of the secondary characters and really follow their stories too. So obviously I'm hooked on the main character and her story and, and how she has met this feminist icon and how it has changed her life, but also this young woman's boyfriend and who, and sometimes male characters I don't always care about deeply the same way. I care deeply about this guy and and what has happened in his life and um, some, you know, he's not entirely likable. There are things about him I don't like, but then kind of this thing happens to his family that completely floored me. I couldn't believe Meg Wolitzer went that direction. And so she's not afraid to take a risk, I think. Now, like her other books, it is hefty. Like it is. Yeah. They're not small. They're not small. I don't, has she written, I feel like there's one, I'm picturing it in my head, but I don't know the title. There's one thin one, but otherwise she writes lengthy pieces of literature. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's why 
That's why I don't love her because I feel like sure. the story could have been edited down. Yeah, but female persuasion so far, there's nothing in it I would have left out. There are parts of it that I think, oh, that could be a story on its own. Mm-hmm. But it wraps it. I mean, she ties it in nicely. You understand why she's gone there. So the female persuasion comes out on April 3rd. I I don't know if it's that I, I used Jordan Jones' trick of, like, low expectations mm-hmm. equals happiness. So, like, I didn't have a ton of expectations on this one because I didn't love her previous works. But I really am loving it. Like, I think it could go in my top ten of the year. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's really All good. Right. It's really good. Um, so, weirdly appropriate title here, um, The Optimistic Decade. Yes. Um, you're going to be optimistic about the rest of these books? I hope so. Good. Okay, good. <laughs> I um, hope so. This comes out early May. This comes out early May, and I saw... So, this is an ARC. I have. I have not started it yet, but it's sitting on my shelf. Um, and I saw the manager at Avid, Tyler Goodson, mm-hmm. posted about it recently. And I said before, taste, we have similar yeah. tastes, so I, like, I'm intrigued. Um, so, I've slowly moved it toward the top of my list. And also, the premise, if I'm not mistaken, this book is about like an idealistic almost cultish summer camp and the cult leader who like leads the summer camp. That sounds fun. Right? So I feel like it could be really good. Also what struck me is, which I know you and I have talked about blurbs and author recommendations and we all know that that's because authors are connected. Whatever. But the guy who wrote The Knicks um, blurbed it and that makes me feel good. That's cool. So, and I haven't seen him blurb a lot of other things. So, anyway, The Optimistic Decade is one and it's got this really gorgeous cover. um, This is an Algonquin book um, but I, and I mean this in the best possible way. It could be a Riverhead book Uh like with the cover. Um, Anyway, uh, is that okay to say? I, I think so. Yeah, like, uh, Riverhead just does a really good job they with They do a really covers. good job, so great job, Algonquin. Yeah, yeah, and I will say, Algonquin has come out with some really they good have. books. Like, they really have. They did Young Jane Young. They mm-hmm. did, I want to say An American Marriage, uh, the Oprah book club book, is an Algonquin book. Like, they've had some big titles coming out. And the note from the publisher on this um, galley I have said that, like, this agent, like, immediately said, I can't do anything else with my day. I need to read this book. So agents, of course, say that kind of stuff all the time. Right. But I'm intrigued by this one, and I love the premise because I I think I said this on the podcast. Winter Institute, before mm-hmm. we went, sent an, a letter to me and to Ashley, I think, like, telling us we can't wait to see you. And it was like, this is summer camp for booksellers. Yeah. And I was like, is Ooh. that something people like? Like... <laughs> Is that a description that would excite some people? Because I am filled with feelings of dread and regret. <laughs> Understood. So I'm curious how I will feel, if I will be justified mm-hmm. reading The Optimistic Decade, because I do think summer camps are like cults. Yeah. Don't you? I mean, I've never been to a real one. I never... But just from fiction? By real yeah. one, do you mean like parent trap real? Yeah. Okay, so I've only been to, like, church the, camp. The, yeah, the churchy day camps. Yeah. No. I mean, it was an overnight camp. Okay, I've done, like, those, like, church mission trips that we call camp that are actually, like, staying in a dorm. Oh, no, I did do one of those, but I went to, like... Okay, I went to this thing called Florida Bible Camp. Uh-huh. So that's the name of the campsite. Uh-huh. So I went for a week when I was in the fifth grade. Okay. I only went because my two best friends were going, and my parents, like, the church... You, your whole church, like, hosts that week. Uh-huh. I don't know. Church culture is weird. So, so my parents were the kitchen workers. Okay. Um, I remember it distinctly because I had grown my hair out long enough to wear in a ponytail so that I had, could have a ponytail at summer camp. And 
my aunt and uncle sent me mail, and to receive mail, you had to sing, like, in front of the whole camp. That's, like, camp. your worst nightmare. Yeah. No, it was. That sounds terrible. Ask me if I ever went back to summer camp. I don't need to, because I know the answer. <laughs> and and guess what? My parents didn't have a good time either. We're just not summer camp people. Like, so I will be curious. Summer camp's for extroverts. I think so. And, and there's a part of me that I think would have enjoyed, like, an all-girl, like... Like Parent Trap. Like, mm-hmm. I watch that movie and think, that looks fun, but does it really? No. If you think about it, it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about the optimistic decade, if this culty... Yeah, you'll have to let me know about that, because that yeah. sounds up my alley. It sounds good, right? Yeah. Okay. It sounds very good. Okay. Um, what's the next one? Okay, the next one is, I'm going to go with That Kind of Mother. Okay. Comes out on May 8th. That's right. Guys, I already talked about this one, too, because I finished it, and so we've yeah. talked about it in a reading recap, but... And now I'm blanking on the author's name, but he wrote Rich and Pretty. Yeah. Which I liked. Didn't love, but liked. Thought it was fine. And I'm thrilled to say that his sophomore result is even better. I also now follow him on Twitter. I just find him to be a witty, interesting person That's online. That's great. Um, which is not always the case. No, I have had not. to unfollow some authors I really liked because I was like, oh, mm. no, I want to protect you in my mind. Um, but this guy is really delightful online, and this book is so good and tackles so many rich uh, subjects. So the book takes place in the 80s, mm-hmm. which I think I said in my reading recap. Yeah. Is a little bit of a weird right that choice. you didn't really like feel that as a yeah. particular aesthetic choice. Yeah, it feels very modern to me, except for the constant allusions to Princess Diana. Diana, right? Which are interesting, and especially interesting in light of the new princess. Yes. Marrying in on May nineteenth. Everyone, mark your calendars. Oh my. Okay. Okay, so um, the book features this woman who has a baby, and she clearly is struggling with some postpartum issues and struggles with breastfeeding. And so she goes back to the hospital where she had a nurse she loved and she convinces the nurse to work for her. So to quit her job at the hospital and to come work for her in her home and help her care for her new child. Um, The nurse is African-American and the nurse, this is not a spoiler, becomes pregnant after a few months or maybe even a year with this family. And so the nurse dies during childbirth and weirdly you know all of that like that's on the back of the book it took a while for the book to get there so it would have been a little surprising had I not already seen it on the jacket um but the nurse dies and now this young white woman decides it is her responsibility to adopt this baby and who it's just there's a lot of things mm-hmm. there um and I like that the author is an adoptive parent himself so I feel yeah. like he's handling it well. I, I think I said somebody asked me on Instagram right. how I felt about a man writing about innately mm-hmm. um, female uh, subjects, but I think he handles it with grace. I think he really has either done his research or obviously probably knows women and yeah. has talked to women, and it feels very real to me. Um, and I say that I'm not a mom, but it feels like the struggles that she is facing, especially she's a very ambitious poet, mm-hmm. and so her struggles with motherhood versus ambition ambition in the workplace and um and then also issues of race and what happens when a white family chooses to adopt a child who looks different from them so anyway lots of things here this is obvious book club fodder yeah for sure uh in the realm of Jodi Picoult I feel like some people turn their nose up at Jodi Picoult but that's what I was thinking too yeah but it 
it tackles a lot of the same subjects she does and even would be a great companion to Small Great Things, yeah. uh, which I read and also kind of tackled those issues of race. Right. Um, that was my first thought. Yeah, so that's a great, great comp title. So That Kind of Mother comes out on May 8th. I'm really excited about this one. It's one I can't wait to put in other people's hands so I can find out what they think. That's great. Yeah. Um, the next one is The Ensemble, which we have talked about a lot. We've talked about it at length, so uh, But it's like your top, yeah. top, top three of the year? Yeah, so far, I think... If anybody's curious, I think so far, The Ensemble and Educated mm-hmm. are like, they're the only books besides Female Persuasion that I can even think would be on my top ten. I will say Kate adored The Ensemble after I handed it to her, and so I don't know how shelf subscriptions are going to fall this time. We're going to have to, like, fight over who gets The Ensemble. Spoilers, I do. <laughs> <laughs> but you, listener, do not. <laughs> um, but it is so good. And I love that Kate loved it because mm-hmm. that made me feel like the exactly. author had really done her research because Kate is a musicologist, has played in ensembles, and Kate said, this is spot on. A spot on portrayal of a quartet mm. takes a look at the each of the characters in turn, so you get four different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, and then Kate made us a playlist on Spotify. I saw that. With all of the songs mentioned because she said it really enhanced her reading to know what musical pieces the musicians were talking about in, in those sections of the book. So um, you could even probably share yeah, that Spotify list I definitely in, will with in our the patrons. show notes. But um, yeah, or yeah, with our patrons. So The Ensemble by Asia Gable comes out May 18th. It is so good. It's so good. That's and, great. and beautiful. Yeah. Like the cover is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's a gorgeous cover. People are frequently asking us, like, what should they get from the library and what should they buy? Buy this one. Buy The Ensemble. It's so good. You want to read it more than once? Yeah. Um, next one up is Social Creature. Okay. This book looks weird. Yeah. It does not look in area for you. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But I am so intrigued, and I think it's because, dang you, Reese Witherspoon. I think I saw her reading the ARC, mm. and look, Reese has really good tastes, and then she has some tastes that I just do not understand. And so one of the books she loved a, f- a couple years ago was something about The Luckiest Girl Alive. That was yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Not a fan. Annie B. Jones, not a fan. Okay. But then Big Little Lies. But then Big Little Lies is fantastic. Little Fires Everywhere. And I'm so excited about Little Fires Everywhere. I could scream, but I don't have a voice. Um, The social creature looks like... Doesn't the cover look like Black Black Swan? Swan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the cover looks like Black Swan. It's kind of got this weird, suspense-y premise. And I guess I was looking at this list, and I mostly had picked, like social dysfunctional stories. This is totally different from that. I think it's about two women, which is why I keep getting the black swan vibe. Um, But I saw Reese Witherspoon talk about it, or even just, I don't even think she talked about it. I think she just said, loving this book. Like, I think she just took a picture of herself with it. And I will say, I think one of our sales reps, it might have been Virginia, somebody kind of suggested this one. So I do have a copy and as soon as I finish The Female Persuasion, I might pick this one up just nice. to see. Yeah. Reese, are you leading me astray, or are you guiding me to the next great suspense novel? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows? That's the suspense. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am in suspense. So, Social Creature is just, I just want people to have it on their radar. Like, because what if it's, like, the next big thing because right. of Reese? So, you heard it here second. You heard it from Reese first. <laughs> you heard it from Annie second. Please, uh, please credit me if it becomes big. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is the book of Essie, which comes out a week after Social Creature. Yes. Did you, have you? Did you see my Instagram review of this? I don't. I know. don't think so. Okay. 
The algorithm is the weird. The algorithm is really weird. Like, my Instagram, not my personally, like, me following Instagram yeah. stories, they're all over the place yeah. now. So, I don't... So, sometimes you might see my Instagram stories. Sometimes you might not. Sometimes I don't. But I do review uh, some of these on Instagram. Book of Essie is one that I finished. Here was my thing. I want to talk to you about this. So, it is a book about a young woman who... Um, all of these books are about young women, I just realized. Um, Shocking. <laughs> so surprising. Um, this is about a young woman in a very conservative religious family mm-hmm. and a family that has been on reality television. Okay. So they're like, the Kardashians meet the Duggars yeah. is immediately what I picture. Okay. So super conservative family. Father is a prominent evangelical pastor. And now she their daughter their youngest daughter is a 16 17 year old and she's pregnant mm-hmm. and so she, saw that coming she yeah so she instead of hiding the pregnancy the mom who you quickly realize is the f- like force in this family um suggests that she get married mm-hmm. but no one who knows who the baby's father is mm-hmm. so instead she befriends this young gay man mm-hmm. and convinces him to like play her husband. Intrigue. It is it is not the most well-written book I have ever read. Like it's not. But the reason I'm putting it on here is because I could not stop reading. I guess it's like watching reality TV. Like I was completely struck. I will say I was also confused and this is what I want to talk to you about. Um in the book, he's an e- prominent evangelical pastor. Mm-hmm. But then they go to this and it's a it the way she described, the author describes this church is as like a mega church, like sure. a typical mega church. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, the pastor in the book is celebrating or honoring Lent hmm. and it is liturgical. That's not particularly evangelical. Right. Okay. Is that poor research? That's what I couldn't figure out. Like, right. so it's super, so she continues to refer to them as evangelical, but then Many of the things are evangelical and, I mean, are liturgical. And then they describe this scene in church where he has finished preaching and immediately the crowd begins speaking in tongues. Oh. And I was just, I was like. There's so much going on there. Yes. And I am by no means an expert on American religion. Right. But I grew up in church, and I grew up with friends from lots of different denominations, and this was baffling Those to are me. Three pretty different. Yes, so I can't figure yeah. out if she's trying on purpose to just combine American right. Christianity. Which, sure. Right, but the fact that I couldn't tell. Yeah. It was confusing. So then I looked her up. I looked the author up, and she's the daughter of an Episcopal priest. Okay. So I'm like, she must know she knows something. Yeah. But I would, that was so distracting to me for so long. Like, I kept reading yeah. it thinking, someone explain this to me. Um, and, yeah, so that confused me a little bit. And just in general, the writing, so I believe the author of this book, this is her debut novel, I think, and I think she may even have another vocation. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if she's a doctor or mm-hmm. she's got some other vocation. I can't remember now. Anyway. However, this is this comes out on June twelfth. It is a beach book. Like take it to the gotcha. like. Please take it to the beach. Please picture the Duggars, <laughs> and please, and please report back to me because I could not stop reading this book and obviously still thinking. Like I finished this a while ago, and, and you're I'm still like, huh? Yes, and I'm still completely. And this is the problem with reading in a vacuum. There's nowhere to give these feelings. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no one to share these feelings with, except on this podcast. Yep. So, so, the book of Essie, I'm very intrigued. 
I desperately want to know what people think about it. It almost feels like it could have been a YA book. Gotcha. And it's told in alternating voices. Okay. Two of them are super strong. The voice of the young woman and the voice of her friend who has agreed to Uh act as her husband. The third voice is this former evangelical slash cult member. Okay. Liberty Bell. Okay. That is her name. Yep. And she is now a, um, a reporter. And she is the person the family grants interviews to. The daughter has chosen to grant Liberty Bell. Bell sure, okay. That feels very Anne Rice to me for some reason. <laughs> very interview with a vampire. Oh, well, I am just... I, like, I have so many feelings about this book and I don't know where to put them. Yeah. Well, readers, <laughs> listeners, let us know what you think. Yeah. I will have all the release dates for these books in the show notes. Um, so you can have them on your radar for when they come out. Basically, we've given you one that came out, one that's coming out in two weeks, and then one for pretty much every week of May. Yeah. And then into the first half of June. We've got your which is spring all and summer. summer reading covered. Yeah, so we've got your spring all break spring, reading. Excuse and, me. Yeah, all spring and um, even into those early beach trips. So, so I hope you enjoy. Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you so much to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel, and it's from their album Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. And you can also check out our own website at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com for free web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a very funny thing happened. I always am telling story time stories, so sorry, but kids are funny. And this little girl came up to me right before story time on Saturday and handed me a drawing she had made, and it had a sticker of Olaf from Frozen. Mm -hmm. And she was like, here, Miss Annie, I know you love Olaf. And, like, I don't really have feelings about Olaf. I do. But I was like, oh, well, thank you so much. And she was like, I know you love Olaf because I know how much you love warm hugs. (laughs) And And I was there, and I melted. And then she gave me a warm hug. It was the best. It was the best. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.